The following podcast is sponsored by StructureTech. BWS Plumbing, Heating, and Air has been kind enough to join us to talk a little bit about the, the heating, air, plumbing supply chain that's going on in 2021. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. As always, your three-legged stool coming to you from the Northland, talking all things houses, home inspections, and anything else that's rattling around in our head. On today's episode, we have a guest from a local heating and air and plumbing company in the Twin Cities, Kevin Strandberg, one of the owners of BWS Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Air has been kind enough to join us. Rumor has it there's some real serious parts shortages that are are going on in the marketplace, or there's rumblings that this could be an issue this heating season. So we wanted to dig into the mind of a professional who sees us on a daily basis to to see what you're experiencing. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, a couple of things that we kind of heard going into air conditioning season this past year, in springtime, late winter, we were hearing rumblings that actually A-coils were going to be the hardest thing to source. And so, you know, an A-coil works hand in hand with an air conditioner. And so you really can't do air conditioning replacement without a, a coil to go along with it. So seeing that upon the horizon and hearing the whispers, it was kind of a, a little bit of a panic because, you know, in the heating and air conditioning space, while service is a great portion of the business, uh, oftentimes, you know, install is the larger ticket items that kind of help us drive sales and, and all that stuff. So with that being said, we sat down with vendors and we kind of chatted about bringing in consignment program to get out ahead of inventory, chatted with vendors on kind of some of the things that they were doing to get out ahead of things. Our specific vendors we worked with did a really good job of kind of predicting some of the issues. With that being said, you can't predict all the variables in it and how long it's going to take to source stuff and whatnot. So we didn't experience personally at BWS a ton of issues sourcing equipment. It was more so, you know, smaller parts, specialty, copper, steel was tough, you know, so actually one of, one of the surprising ones was flex ductwork. So I don't know why that was so, so hard to source, but you know, we were seeing some pretty good lead times on that. That's kind of the gist. The summer, the summer went better than we anticipated. We we're able to supply products and replacement equipment pretty much without any hiccups for the most part, you know, any bigger five-ton units or, like I said, specialty systems that we needed to order had larger lead times. But for the most part, our suppliers did a really good job of kind of anticipating that we're a carrier dealer and, and who we buy our, our carrier product from is the, the local supplier, Minnesota Air. And they brought in almost three times the amount of inventory they typically bring in to the point where they had to lease another space uh, in order to house it all. So partners like that are very good when issues are on the horizon and they can foresee that. That's awesome. Can we step back for just a second? And Ruben, I want you to jump in and kind of explain the history that we have with BWS because they've been on our preferred vendor list for a long, long time. So can you kind of walk through the history of of yours and Kevin's relationship? Yeah. Kevin and I have been in a network group together for, I don't know, what is it, Kevin? Like about a decade now? Yeah, it's 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 got to be the better part of seven years. Yep. Okay. All right. So I joined I joined our family business uh, going on eight years ago, and I got involved in in that specific networking group right away. So it's been uh, yeah. And I, I've gotten to know Kevin. I've gotten to know his dad, Bruce, and we've uh, we've had lunch together many times. I, I inspected Bruce's house when he bought it, 
And he, he's always my go-to guy to bounce stuff off of. I can always ask Kevin or Bruce, whatever I need. They're always very generous with their answers. And I've, I've had them out at my house a few times for stuff that I've needed too. So they do great work. Good people to work with, for sure. How Thank long has BWS uh, been in, a, in business, Kevin? Yeah, it's kind of, kind of a cool family story. So my grandfather was in the HVAC business, started a uh, heating and air conditioning company in 1969. My dad then, you know, graduated high school, went to trade school, became a, a service tech installer, eventually worked his way into the office and kind of took over the business for my grandpa in, in 1991. My dad sold that business in 1997, got out of the space for a little bit, and then in 2009 started BWS. So okay, uh, yeah, we've been in business. BWS has been in business since 2009. Our family's been serving the Twin Cities for, for quite a long time. Are you most heavy in residential or what does your breakout of business look like? Yeah. So when the company first started in 2009, we were almost 100% light commercial, you know, doing a lot of rooftop replacements, tenant improvement, strip mall build outs, that type of stuff. And slowly over the course of the the life of the company, we've shifted to about 85% residential and 15% light commercial. So it's a better business for us. Um, We don't do any new construction. We only do retro and it's a service installation emergency after hours on the weekends we're here if you know the house freezes or your furnace goes out and it's 20 below or reverse side it's 110 and humid and air conditioner goes out so we've just found that the residential business is is better for us every customer is insanely important to us but if you're not able to capture every residential customer it's it doesn't impact your business as much as losing one large commercial customer so just from the diversification portion of that it's a little better business for us too and then on the residential side of that 85%, how much is service versus retrofit install new equipment? Yeah. So we're about 50-50 install and service. It's almost split right down the middle. Okay. We got, let's see, I think we have six service techs, HVAC service techs. We have five plumbers and we have three install HVAC install crews that uh, they work in two-man teams. So there's a lead installer and uh, a helper on every team. Wow. You guys are blowing it up with the plumbing. That's a fairly new add-on to your service. When did you guys get into the plumbing field? 2016. So okay. yeah, plumbing, plumbing's been a great addition to us. One of the things in the heating and air space is, you know, September is a perfect example. Majority of September, it was 70 degrees and beautiful. When it's September and we've had a really hot summer, air conditioners have already worked very hard. They've already been strained. Most likely, if they were going to break at that point, they've already broke. If a homeowner is on the fence of replacing their, their air conditioner at that point, chances are they're going to wait till spring, unless they're, you know, the rare homeowner that likes to plan ahead and, you know, budget and that type of stuff. But um, (laughs) so September can be, you know, a down month and you can have peaks and valleys in the heating and air business, but the plumbing business always stays very steady. I mean, you know, extreme temperatures and and house freezing and stuff like that are going to spike it a little bit, but for the most part, the plumbing business stays pretty level. Perfect. Well, thanks for the background because I know a lot of HVAC companies are adding plumbing, they're adding electrical and they're bringing everything into house, you know, under one roof. So I was going to ask a quick question, Kevin, you may not be able to answer this, but because I know you're, you're being called out to houses that have issues with like their AC system or furnace or whatever, but how many houses do you think in Minnesota have forced air AC? And is that number increasing? Do you think? You know, that's a, that's a very interesting question. I don't know if I could put, I I definitely couldn't put an exact number on it. I Mm -hmm. feel like air conditioning is becoming significantly more important to, 
homeowners. I don't know if it has to do, and again, I'm just kind of shooting from the hip as far as what my gut tells me. I don't know if it has to do with more of a, you know, younger generation is now buying houses and, you know, hasn't ever really experienced the no air conditioning and and stuff like that. I know from my perspective, I would not do well in a house. (laughs) And it's kind of funny when you go out and talk to, to homeowners on the heating side, it's like, Hey, we can pretty much predict energy savings on the heating side. Because I can pretty much tell you that at some point in October, you're turning on your furnace. And at some point in April, May, depending on Minnesota, you're turning off your furnace and turning on your air conditioner. That's a consistent thing. You have to heat your house. In the summertime, I mean, my grandparents like to keep their house at, you know, 80 degrees. Me, I'm more of a 68 and not human, you know what I mean? And take all yeah. the humidity out. So yeah. it varies quite often. Some people use their air conditioner to take the edge off on the really hot days and other people, you know, have it, yeah. have it going pretty consistently. So we're seeing a big kind of influx in is, is mini splits. So kind of okay. supplemental air conditioning to certain aspects of the house. Uh, I think there was a big shift this last year in like working from home, obviously with the pandemic going on. And I think that really caused people to realize they spend a lot of time in their house and they want to be comfortable. So we were seeing a lot of, you know, specific offices getting built out within houses, home offices and wanting air conditioning to that portion or, you know, spending a lot of time upstairs and realizing that they don't get the best cooling upstairs and they want to improve that. What's a mini split, Kevin? A mini split is just a different kind of air conditioner. It has like a accordion head that sits on the wall and it just supplies a certain area. It can have multiple heads. So you could do like, you know, two rooms or three rooms. You can have a multiple head mini split and it just runs with a a condenser that sits outside. The advantage is you don't need duct work. You know, you look at a house that has a boiler or maybe hasn't had duct work ran in it because that can be a very invasive thing to do is to add duct work to a house. You're cutting open Mm -hmm. ceilings and walls. So very common in houses that have boilers. So you're seeing a lot more mini splits in houses that don't have duct work installed where people want some sort of air conditioning. Yep. And then another common system that that tends to get installed typically in older houses is like a high velocity air conditioning system where, you know, a unit would sit in an attic and in some of the older houses that might have hydronic heat, you know, boiler, the closets line up. So you're able to run very small ducts that are about two inches, you know, down the corner of a closet and you can get it to different levels and it does provide air conditioning as well. Now, I, I know we've said this on the podcast years ago when we were talking about our dream house, but when I build my dream house, it's going to have a boiler for heat. It's going to be in-floor heat, and I'm going to have mini splits yeah. to cool the house. I, that's that's the way to go, for sure. You say boiler, boiler heat, you know, hydronic heat is the best, most consistent heat, and it's also the most efficient way to heat a house. It keeps yeah. you the most comfortable. There's nothing most better than in-floor heat, too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Warm feet. Oh. Especially in Minnesota right? The yeah. January morning and you're getting up at like in our industry, I'm usually in the office by seven and it's like cold and dark and you get up and your bathroom yeah. floor is warm. There's nothing better. Yeah. Yep. Well, so Kevin, what's like the average cost for, uh, you know, someone who wants to install like a, you know, a heat pump for, for AC. And I know that's going to vary based on how many rooms you're trying to cool and how many heads the system has, but just like on average. Well, Tessa, first yeah. you better define a heat pump. Do you mean mini split or, oh, sorry. or heat pump? No, that's all right. Well, can you define the difference actually? <laughs> so, you know, we don't, ha- we don't do a ton of heat pumps. It's typically okay. something that is done more in more, you know, rural area. We don't see a ton of them closer to the city. It basically has a feature in, in air conditioner that would in, in less words, reverse the fan 
and uh-huh. where an air conditioner exhausts hot air out of it, this would capture the hot air and, and pull it in. So that's what a heat pump does. A mini split is kind of what we talked yeah. about earlier. That would just well, thanks be- for catching me on that. I meant yeah. mini split. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a bunch of variables that go into it. Efficiency because some heat and cool, some cool only. It just really depends how many rooms you're servicing. I could see one anywhere from seven thousand up to. 20,000. Okay. Seven to 20,000. And if you're talking about adding like duct work for four-star AC system in a house that had a boiler that didn't have duct work, you're talking how much? I mean, our portion of that job is probably going to be closer to that 20 to 25,000 mm-hmm. just because you're, it's a very labor intensive job. You're having us come out to cut openings, run duct work, and chances are you're doing some pretty invasive stuff to to a home. Again, there's a ton of variables that go into it. So this is very rough pricing. I mean, pricing is a whole other subject this year. That's been like nothing I've ever seen before. And, and it still is. It's absolutely nuts right now. Typically, we get kind of the annual price increase from our suppliers. That's anywhere from three to 6% right around January, maybe February. And that's the price increase. You know, that's it. We are going on our fourth, actually November 1st is our fourth price increase with one of our furnace manufacturers. And each one of them has been 8%. So if you look at that, add up over the course of the year, it's unbelievable. And, And what's really shocking is you know, the homeowner that maybe had us out last fall and we gave an estimate on a furnace, maybe decided to wait a year and now is having us back out. And it's like, you want to do what? Yeah. It's just what it is. I mean, it's like, it's insane. These price increases are nuts. Uh, sheet metal, so ductwork is up, I think almost 60%. It's absolutely nuts. So if I do the math, that means 47% increase in prices over one year. Yeah, which is oh absurd. God. I mean, you know, our average price of an install for a furnace and air, I would say 12 months ago, again, without pulling the numbers right now, I would probably say you were looking at right around 8,000 bucks. And I, I bet you right now, our average ticket for a furnace and air conditioner is probably closer to 12. Wow. That's, Kevin, just to clarify, you guys usually aren't putting in a ton of duct work. The duct work's already there. You're mm-hmm. plunking a new unit in. And Correct. Is that price that you just quoted, does that have an A-coil in it? And a yep. condenser? Okay. Yep. So that, that like, like you said, we typically do ret- what we call as retrofit. So, you know, Bill, your house needs a new furnace, already has a furnace and air conditioner. We would come out, measure it up, make sure it's sized appropriately, um, you know, based on efficiency levels you're going with, square footage in the house, windows, all that stuff. We'd come out, make sure it's sized appropriately. We would get the furnace, the air conditioner, the A-coil that sits on top of the furnace and works with the air conditioner. We may look at line sets depending on sizing and, you know, age of the house and all that stuff, but that's going to be pretty much, you know, we'll probably do a new return drop just because that's, you know, return air sizing has changed a little bit. That's pretty much what consists of in our installations. We always give an option to upgrade the thermostat too. Well, let's turn our attention to the service side because when, when I was at a, a meeting recently, there was a contractor, a heating contractor there that noted, get your furnace running as soon as possible. Because if something's not working right, parts for existing units are in short supply. Mm-hmm. Is is that something that you're seeing or hearing or experiencing yourself at BWS? Yes. Parts are almost harder to get, or I should say are significantly harder to get than, than replacement equipment right now. And especially if it's a unique part for a furnace, there's often parts that can be, you know, you can buy a generic brand and it'll work in every 
you know, furnace that we sell or service. But if it's a unique part that has to happen or has to be from a certain supplier or anything like that, I checked with a supplier that we used yesterday for a lot of our parts and they're seeing sometimes up to a 12 week lead time on parts. And I mean, if you're talking 12 weeks from right now, Oh no. We're going through some scary temperatures before we get to the end of the 12 weeks. So, uh, my goodness. And so that almost makes it where it's like, all right, if it's going to be 12 weeks, what do you do? It's almost better to just replace your equipment than what? Use portable electric heaters? Exactly. And that's what, I mean, cost wise, it's going to be astronomical to run electric portable heaters to keep a house comfortable you know it's one thing if you just keep one or two in the mechanical room to keep it from freezing over a night or two if your furnace is out but if you're starting to talk weeks and months on end that's a scary time and you know as a contractor i feel like we do everything we can to build trust with the homeowner um i feel like you know at times contractors get bad reputations because there are you know a few bad eggs in the industry that that take advantage of customers and stuff like that. So I think it's so important to get in and build trust with the homeowner. And that's one thing that really puts us in a tough spot is when, you know, we tell a customer that, Hey, I know your furnace might only be seven years old, but I'm telling you, I can't like, I'm calling every supply house I can to get this part. And I just can't get it. That that's a very tough conversation to have with a homeowner. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. but you know, I will have say. Have you ever seen this situation happen before, Kevin? I mean, has it ever been this bad? No, it's never been this bad. There's been certain products that have either been like, you know, canceled or discontinued. And it can be a challenge to find like a retro for that specific product. Uh, An example would be there's a system that goes in like a condo or multifamily building called a Skymark and they stopped making them. And it had a specific footprint that actually was cut out of the exterior of the building to find a direct replacement for that since they don't make it anymore, no one has come up with one. And so now you're talking about like retrofitting the exterior of the building and all that stuff. That's a whole different story. I've never seen a supply issue where basic parts to keep a furnace running are basically really tough to get. And, you know, I do want to put in like a a little bit of an asterisk on that, that I'm talking about specific, unique parts. Like I don't want to scare homeowners. Like it's, you know, that's, we're talking worst case scenarios here. Don't think that if your furnace breaks, you're automatically out, you know, 12 weeks before you can get it fixed. But that is some of the worst case scenarios we're seeing. You know, we try and check with our suppliers. We do keep a supply in our warehouse of the most common parts and stuff like that. So we can have those, our vans are all stocked with the basic parts so we can perform a lot of repairs right there in the little house. But when you do run into that unique situation and it is a tough part to get, we're seeing that. So it's a basic part, a circuit board, a relay, some sort of flame sensor, motor, flame sensor. Yeah. Yeah. Flames. Yeah. Blower motor. You know, some of the circuit boards are getting harder and harder to get to. Some of them have, and Technology is the gift and the curse, right? Like technology is a, an amazing thing that's made things awesome and some pretty incredible features that, you know, we can control. I can control my furnace in my house right now and the humidity levels in my house from my phone sitting in the office. Like that's an incredible thing. In order to make all that work, obviously there's more computers and chips and stuff like that. One of the biggest things is that that darn chip. And I don't know many details about it, but that's one thing that I'm hearing is a huge issue is, is chips, not only in our business industry, but a lot of other spaces too. Well, at least the furnace doesn't have this thing sitting on top of it that creates a bunch of condensation that drips down. And if you're not paying attention, you could you know, spill a bunch of water on top of your circuit boards. Yeah, exactly. Or rust out a heat exchanger or anything like that. Like it's uh, 
Yeah, at least there's nothing like that to worry about, right? <laughs> so don't just look at that thing once when you install it and then come back every five years and replace the filter. You should open it up occasionally and just make sure there's nothing out of the ordinary going on that could prevent you from needing a very specific part. Correct. Yeah. Preventative maintenance is very important. And I know, you know, it's very easy to say, oh, that's an, that's an expense that we can eliminate. You know, we do tune-ups anywhere from, depending on the time of the year, anywhere from 49 bucks to 99 bucks, where we come out and do a 21 point inspection and, and go through the whole thing. It's like an oil change in a car, you know, where we're not changing oils, but we're looking at everything, giving it a good look to see if there's anything small that could prevent something big from happening. And also, as we all know, you know, if anything's going to break, it's going to be at nine o'clock at night when it's 20 below on a Friday. Like it's, you know, it's, it, it, it seems like that always happens. And to prevent some of that stuff and peace of mind, it's great to just get your furnace checked annually, make sure you know, a lot of people, it's crazy how many people you talk to and they're like, wait, I have to change my furnace filter every month, you know, <laughs> you know, and there's certain filters that you don't, you only change quarterly and stuff like that. But you'd be shocked at how many people don't realize that they're supposed to go down and change it. But it's kind of a nice thing to do. You know, just last weekend, I spent time with mine, uh, you know, the quality time with my furnace, but changing the, <laughs> changing the furnace filter. And I, you know, because I'm in the space, I have a whole home HEPA air cleaning system. So I changed both filters in there and UV lights, just putting the new lights in and, and all that stuff, just getting ready. I mean, you know, it's, it's what you got to do once a year to make sure, make sure your house stays, stays clean and nice. What percentage of the units in our marketplace are high efficiency? And the reason I ask this is if you don't know, you should know high efficiency furnaces create condensation. It's just what they do to get the extra heat that would be wasted. That condensation is always very corrosive. And if it leaks back into your unit, it can cause problems. Absolutely. And I don't know the exact percentage. It's definitely trending in, you know, people replacing standard efficiency furnaces with high efficiency furnaces. As you just touched on, they're vented differently. So some of that depends on, you know, ability within the basement and mechanical room, wherever your furnace is to be able to run PVC pipe and, and get it through you know, chases or ceilings and that type of stuff. The other thing that's important going into winter and it happens every year, but you always have that stretch of just extreme temperatures in Minnesota. It's it's every year that we have either a weekend where it's going to be, you know, 20 below or windshield of 30 or 40 below. And, and sometimes that condensation on your, on your vent pipe on a high efficiency furnace can freeze because mm. the temperatures are so extreme. That's something you always want to keep an eye out on the exterior house. Cause if you get a blockage at the end, it's not able to exhaust those gases that can be very harmful and even fatal. And the other thing too, is if we get large amounts of snow, it's always important just to pay. I know you got it. It's not fun to track around your, your yard and snow, but just make sure that snow is cleared away from there and hasn't impacted that. Cause that can be a, that can be a very serious issue. And for homeowners that are, are listening to this and don't know what you're talking about or what that looks like, can you describe it? Yeah. So it's, it's usually two PVC pipes, round PVC pipes that come out the side of your house. One will most likely have a, a little gooseneck on it. And that's plain and simple way of determining if you have a high efficiency furnace or a standard efficiency furnace. If you don't have those PVC pipes coming out, or you don't have at least one PVC pipe coming out, you most likely have a standard efficiency furnace. Now, with that being said, I do have seen plenty of houses that the PVCs ran through the roof. So don't think that if you just walk through, you know, around your yard, you're automatically don't have it. But that's how a high efficiency furnace is vented versus a standard efficiency furnace is vented through basically your chimney, different, you know, vent, B vent that runs up through your roof. Same with water heaters. Those are a little less complicated in 
probably have fewer parts on them and you don't have to worry about water leaking out of the, the condensation that, you know, out of the vent pipe back into the unit. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so who's to blame? We've got these parts that are taking 12 weeks. I mean, certainly we have to be able to blame somebody. So what have you been told? I think it's a combination of things. That's a very loaded question. But I think it's, <laughs> I think, I think it's a combination of things. I think you know, during the pandemic, some plants had to shut down. I know for a fact that Goodman, Dykin, who owns Goodman and Amana, they have a massive plant in Houston, Texas. I know a couple of years ago, it was the second largest structure in the US. It's 4 million square feet. They manufacture all three lines right there. What's great about that is it's in the US. I love that it's being manufactured in the US. But they had an instance where COVID spread within the plant and they had to shut down manufacturing for a specific time. You know, those things are running as hard as they can as it is. So when you got to shut down, you're trying to make up for it at some point. And I think that uh, that is part of what we're feeling. I also think just in many different industries, we're feeling a very tough labor market. And I think it's tough to find really good employees. And I think I think that's a part of it too. And I think the third piece of it is is materials, all that stuff, you know, anything that's not manufactured in the US that's having to be brought in from other countries is a challenge to get here right now too. And I think you know, it's a huge, huge subject right now. But uh, I think it's kind of a, a perfect storm of all three of those things, playing catch up, finding people to perform specific jobs in manufacturing and stuff like that. And then also getting the materials and all three of those together is a bad storm. So I was actually going to ask you a question about we know being kind of connected to these different trades that it's it's really hard to find quality labor you know, in any of these trades and HVAC, you know, especially too. And so what are you guys doing to try and find people? And, and what do you think the future of the industry is going to look like? We're feeling it even more, but we've dealt with a labor issue in our industry for, for a while. I think the trades in some trades don't get advertised to high school and junior high kids as much as they should. I know, you know, I grew up in the West Metro of, of Minneapolis in my high school. It was never talked about going into the trades. It was always the guidance counselor talk about where you want to go to college and stuff like that. I personally think that if you don't love school, if you don't have a passion for going to learn and, and you don't want to go into an industry that you need to have a college degree, trade school is an unbelievable opportunity for significantly less of an investment up front. And because of the labor shortage, you know, you're able to get out of school making a very nice living at a young age with significantly less debt. Great job security. Yeah, it's awesome job security. And one thing that we're trying to do is just that get involved at the school level. One thing we try and try and do is like, I have, you know, one of our service techs right now that really wants to learn commercial service in school. So, you know, we're flexible around his schedule. He goes to class three days a week and he's off at, you know, one on those three days so that he can go to school. We try and get involved. My dad, Bruce, sits on the advisory board at Hennepin Tech on the HVAC side. So, you know, get involved in the school level and try and get guys who are in school or ladies who are in school and give them an opportunity to learn the trades. And I think also what's great about that is not only can you teach them and, and develop them, but also, you know, it gives us an opportunity to teach them our way of doing things, the BWS way of doing things, you know, where aside from the technical thing, you know, some of the customer service skills, some of the communications, those types of things as well. So that's kind of our main focus is just getting more involved in the school level. So do you guys have some sort of like certifications or like an apprenticeship that people have to go through at your company before they can go out into the field and start working? 
Yeah, so it's kind of funny. We were actually just talking about that in our leadership meeting last week. Was kind of putting together an, an actual apprentice program where you know maybe we could get some kids in the summertime to and teach them you know the basics of running maintenance calls or you know whatever it might be. So we don't have that plan laid out right now. But typically, how we do it is if they're going to school and they don't quite have their have graduated from trade school, we'll have them be one of the helpers on the install team. Because what that is is you know if you're bringing a furnace or an air conditioner in a house or a water heater in and out of a house. It's a heavy thing. It can be hard on a back. So oftentimes they're there to help, you know, run out to the truck and grab tools or stuff like that. And just by being on the job site and learning some of that stuff, seeing a lead installer do it. And then eventually, you know, you start teaching them specific stuff, going through kind of a checklist we have, and then letting them perform it with the lead installer, you know, observing and and making sure they're doing it the right way and, and all that. So that would be kind of our apprentice program that we have right now but we're definitely looking at expanding that uh, specifically on the plumbing side because you know both areas are really tough to find labor in but plumbers service plumbers right out of school it'd be great to, to have kind of a, an apprenticeship program that we can run them through for the basics of service kevin are you working around messing around with flexible hours running crews that start at 11 and run till eight or any anything to just try to help a young person maybe blend two incomes under one roof? Yeah. So that's one thing we pride ourselves on is being a family business and, you know, family's important. So that balance, I mean, we got guys that, you know, might start a half an hour, an hour late on specific days because they got to take their kid to school. That's one thing being a smaller business and not a corporation is that we can work around stuff like that. Like I said, one of our techs is in school right now. No problem. As long as that gets communicated to us, it's a value to add somebody awesome to our team. And that's kind of what we look for is good people. You can't teach people how to be good people. You can teach them to trade, but you can't teach them mm-hmm. ethics. You can't teach them customer service. You can't teach them common sense on, on what's right to do with a customer. So that's kind of our goal is to hire good people. And from there, we can train them on the technical side and work around schedules and stuff like that. I love yeah, that. I think, the, yeah. I think the young people get thrown under the bus a little too much about wanting to be glued to their electronics and everything else. It's, it's like, come on. It's just... Some of that just feels like grumbling that's unnecessary. And you're not going to attract those bees to your honey if that's what you're saying out loud. Well, and I think our industry too is, is going more towards that technology side. I mean, all of our guys do have iPhones and iPads and they're checking in and out of jobs, you know, on their iPad with our CRM and our customer management system. And, you know, they're able to kind of get some of that technical side in there. I mean, you know, Wi-Fi thermostats nowadays are incredible that you can you know, control them all from your phone and, and to be able to install those and then show the homeowner just how they can do it, what all the different features they can use to control and the notifications for if they're out of town and their temperature drops below a certain level or, you know, Wi-Fi leak detectors. I personally have experienced my uh, main drain backing and it is not a fun thing to come downstairs the next day and see, you know, three inches of junk on your oh. floor. <laughs> it's, it's not Look. a fun feeling. And so and one of the first things I did is put, you know, Honeywell makes these great Wi-Fi leak detectors. That's almost like a shoestring connected to a little tiny box and it's connected to my Honeywell home comfort app. And anytime that shoestring basically catches any sort of moisture, I get a notification. I mean, they're great to put under dishwashers or, you know, a fridge with an ice machine or a water line that goes mm-hmm. to it under a water heater. Yeah. You know, all those little stuff. But, you know, it's such cool technology that can prevent things and make the homeowner more comfortable and, you know, peace of mind when they're traveling and stuff like that. And I think you know, while younger people do trend to go towards the technology aspect, this industry is also 
trending in that direction and has some opportunities to, to do some of that fun stuff with the connected home and that type of deal. Kevin, is yeah. your CRM and your, your service applications, are they all under one roof or do you care to share who you use for managing yeah, absolutely. your work? Absolutely. So we use a company called Service Titan. They're growing like crazy. I believe last time I checked, they're like top five on Forbes Cloud 100. Like it was built by two guys whose parents were in the trades and saw firsthand you know, how trade businesses operate. Our whole CRM, our customer management system, our GPS, our you know, clock in, clock out. We would get a payroll report out of that. Everything is through Service Titan. The only other software we really use is QuickBooks. And that's for the more of an accounting specific, but Service Titan is, is as good as it gets as far as software in the home service space. You know, we have it automated that as soon as the tech checks into the job to drive there, the homeowner gets a text message with a picture of the technician and their biography, just a few you know bullet points on the technician so that it's not a strange face that comes to the door. Now you've seen the picture of who's showing up to your door. And if you look through the, the window or the hole or whatever, and it's not them, like that's a red flag. But just trying to build trust, like I talked about earlier, you're actually able to click on a link in there, which pulls up to a map that's connected to the GPS in the truck. And you can see the estimated arrival time and where they're actually driving on the road. So to me, that's like really cool stuff because when I first came into the industry, you know, eight years ago, we were using a server-based system where I had to physically be in the office to look up a customer's notes and all that stuff. We're able to email the customer any notes, email the customer any pictures, email them their invoice on site, have them sign on the iPad so that we can get acknowledgement before we perform any work, show them estimates, show them different options. It's just, it's a very uh, robust CRM software and uh, they're always growing and expanding. And not to mention the reporting side is phenomenal too. Okay. In the world of internet of things, is there ever a point where a company like this comes in and then connects all of the service work that gets done on your new furnace from day one through the life of it? So the warranty people can be happy that the maintenance was performed. They know when the, the filters were changed. And then if it breaks, it's truly a problem. You know, that's, that's interesting. There are certain things going on in our industry where a couple of the major manufacturers are sending out error codes to contractors who install equipment ahead of time. I always think that's going to be, you know, we haven't gotten to that point of, of monitoring that because I always think that's going to be a very interesting phone call. Hey, Mrs. Johnson, I'm getting an error code that your furnace is going to break in an hour. Can I come out and help you out? Like, you know, if I, if that's me, I'm like, interesting. A little big brother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure with technology ever changing that uh, there's going to be some more interesting things that happen. One thing I'm on a, every Wednesday, I'm on an advisory board group with eight other contractors across the country who are roughly our same size, just to kind of chat, bounce ideas off each other. And one of the things one of the guys has is he has his service manager sitting in the office in front of all these screens. And his guys have kind of like the Google glasses or whatever. And his service manager is able to help walk them through troubleshooting any issues or stuff like that and kind of just, you know, double check that they're going through the right sequence of operation and all that stuff, which again, is kind of a next level of technology and stuff. But, you know, going back to the training piece, it's also a great way that you could take somebody who might not be as seasoned out of school and, and train. To answer your question, I don't I don't know when it would get to that point or how it would get to that point specifically, but nothing would shock me nowadays. Ruben, have you ever <laughs> blogged about the internet of things? No, no, I have not done a smart blog. I don't know enough about it. I feel like any tech blogger with just the most basic amount of information would know way more than I do. So no, 
I imagine, though, you would have a pretty well-established framework of what should talk to who, why, and when. I've got a pretty smart house, and it's that I have cobbled together. I can uh, I can do most stuff with my voice through my Alexa, but uh, you know, I, I compared to somebody who does it for a living, they'd probably scoff at what I've got. So it's, it's all relative. I think I'm the same thing, same, same way. I think I have like, you know, I got Honeywell for all my thermostats and can control some other devices. Like I talked about, like the, the leak detectors. And I think I have ring for the cameras and the alarm and all that stuff. And, you know, kind of just boils up to a few different things. And a lot of it is connected and talks together, but I, there's some pretty cool stuff out there. Okay, Kevin, we should probably begin to wind this down, but I do yep. want to ask, do you have any advice for homeowners out there right now, this time of the year, do this, look for that. What can you share just to maybe help take the edge off? Yeah. First and foremost, remember to change a filter that can cause a whole heck of a lot of issues just with, you know, if it gets blockage in there, you know, and the air is not able to flow, it's going to make the the you know blower work harder and, and all that stuff. Not to mention your house isn't going to be as comfortable. You're not going to have as much airflow. It's going to take a lot longer to correct and all that stuff. So change your filter every month, make sure to do it. Set a reminder, set a calendar reminder, whatever you got to do. Secondly, definitely just get an annual tune-up. Like I said, if you can get out ahead of things and be preventative on it, take a look, have a licensed company come out, take a look at your furnace, check on anything. You know, hopefully we still have a few more weeks before temperatures really start getting freezing. You know, with a gas fireplace in a house or like Ruben talked about earlier, space heaters, you know, you're going to be just fine right now. It's still getting up to, you know, 55, 60 degrees during the day. The sooner you can get, you know, ahead on, on any issues and stuff like that, the better finding out if you have issues. And then, like I said, just getting ahead of, if you do have issues, making sure to jump on it right away. You know, I don't want to sound like the typical hard salesperson, but I would not spend too much time thinking about a decision. I would just, you know, either repair it, replace it, but do something, do whatever you got to do to get it operational sooner than later. There you have it. Don't wait. (laughs) It will be cold soon enough. You don't want to be waiting for that very specific part to show up at your front door or actually at Kevin's front door. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Cause you know, oftentimes the homeowner will try and find a part, you know, Hey, we're not able to get it for you for 12 weeks or whatever. And then they go on the hunt for it. It's like, I'm telling you, we, we exhaust all of our options, even to the point of checking with a Home Depot or a Menards, you know, that's the very basic thing that we're going to try and do and see if we can see if we can get. And then we have a whole nother network of uh, suppliers that we work with. And if they're not able to source something, pretty much no one can. Wow. Well, there you have it, folks. You can't know enough about the equipment that's in your house. Take care of it like they are a member of the family. When they get sick, it's never at a good time. Yep. <laughs> the only other thing I'd add to it is just make sure you change the batteries in your carbon monoxide detector to, uh, you know, Every year you hear something in the news of the tragic situation of, you know, something happened, happening to somebody or a family or something like that. And that's a, it's a very serious deal. And, and it can be prevented by just having a, a, a carbon monoxide detector in your house. Thank you. Yep. Good advice. Good advice. Good advice. Well, we should put a bow on this one. Ruben, do you have anything else uh, percolating that, that you want to ask before let Kevin go? No, but one other tip on that is change the batteries in your uh, thermostat too. A lot of those thermostats need batteries. We talked about that on our fall maintenance podcast. Mm-hmm. And if you're out of town and your thermostat goes out, you might come home to a frozen house. So that's another one to, to address too. Yep, absolutely. All right. Cool. There's too many things to pay attention to. Come on. Yeah. <laughs>
I need one app that tells me all the things I need to do. Just sends you notifications. Hey, turn, change your filter. Hey, do this. That yeah, will happen I, at some point. It will silence those. Yeah. yeah. Snooze. Ah, snooze. <laughs> all right. All right. Kevin, thank you very much. Again, BWS Plumbing, Heating and Air. Do you want to throw out your phone number if anybody runs into a situation where they need help? Absolutely. Our phone number is 952-681-2615. And you can also schedule service on our website, which is just bwsheatingandair.com. You know, talking about technology earlier, I was sitting at my computer one day, running tight on lunch, had to order from Jimmy John's, realized that I just ordered a sandwich. It showed up 15 minutes later and I didn't talk to a single person. So I started looking into what we could do to have somebody schedule service with us without having to talk to anybody. So we do have it, have that button on our website. If you click on schedule me, it walks you through a few different questions. You're able to upload a video or a picture of what's going on and you can schedule a service call or maintenance right there. Pretty cool. Very cool. Yep. 2 a.m. will never be a useless time again when you start exactly. thinking about all of the stuff you want to get scheduled. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. You've always been a trusted partner and we really appreciate you jumping on and giving us an hour of your time. We appreciate the partnership. Like Ruben said, I trust you guys in my house. My dad trusted you with his house. We've had awesome luck. So thank you guys. There it is. Thank you, everyone. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. For more information on how we can provide you with the right information about your home before you buy or sell, contact us at StructureTech.com.